Good to see you. Good to be back. And uh, before we bring in our special guest, I want to mention 630 Chet listener Steve has taken Drake Kajula in oh. our first goal of the game contest. Now, Steve is the one that matters because we want him to win. Well, no, 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 no. But I, I we've, still covered off, we've covered off five of the Oilers' 18 skaters tonight between all our guest picks by 630 Cheds, Andrew Gross, you, me, and Stoffer. Well, between uh, and two of the guys on the fourth line have been picked. Fourth line, pretty pop to, to popular tonight. Didn't, Kajula didn't, and Kerr, yeah. Yeah, so two guys off that one. So Well, hope. they might get some time with McDavid, so that'll help. It, it helps everybody, doesn't it? <laughs> Special guest tonight is a former Edmonton Oiler, former U of A Golden Bear, and uh, now a player agent working here in Edmonton. I'm pleased to welcome Brian Baltimore to the show. Brian, thanks for stopping by. Good to see you. Thank you guys for having me. It's uh, it's, uh, it's the first time I've been up in Studio 99. It's uh, it's quite a place. It's worth uh, everybody taking a tour of it. Yeah, well, it is. We, we comment on that quite a bit, the, all the memorabilia. And this the jersey behind us here is probably the most photographed jersey in the history of Edmonton. It's the uh, Gretzky away rookie jersey because they wore their dark jerseys on the road and we had uh, Sparky Blachiski on the show the other day who talked about sewing. You know, they, did, they didn't change jerseys every eight to ten games there. You got one you, for the year. Everything was one for the year. <laughs> there was no glove dryers or uh, anything else. There was torches for the sticks and uh, all the rest of that went with it. You know, you have had a wide-ranging career both on and off the ice, but I, I think we got to start with uh, your days with the University of Alberta with the early 70s, and you had the pleasure of playing for Claire Drake. It really was a pleasure. I mean, the man was incredible. Everybody said Mr. Stoffer was here earlier. I'll call him Mr. Stoffer for now. Bob was here, and he's he's certainly the... the uh, the cheerleader for the for the Golden Bear and the Golden Bear program, as as all the alumni are, and and uh, Claire was uh, instrumental in uh, hundreds and thousands of people and uh, their lives and whatnot. And I, for me, I was a kid came out of Stettler. Uh, I remember I actually came to Edmonton and I tried out for one of the junior teams. And like they, at that time, it was the Edmonton Movers and the Maple Leafs and whatnot. And, and I gave it a go, and the guy said, okay. And I said, well, no, but I'm going to go try for the Bears first. And he said, yeah, sure, right. So I went, and Claire saw something there. And uh, the two, I, I spent two years there. We went to the, uh, to, we won the West uh, the second year and uh, went to the national finals. And the, the man was just incredible in how he could develop players. I heard not only how we develop players on the ice, but how we develop players and people off the ice. So from everything that I've heard and from meeting him, he was just a class act. So the best thing that I can say is I've seen him, you know, I did see him on and off after I left the university. And he was somebody that I could talk to, somebody that I could phone up. And right up until the time that he passed away, Myself and everybody that I knew called him coach. There was no Claire or there was no anything. It was just he was coach. So. Well, great experience for you at the, uh, at the U of A. You went on to play in the AHL and then in the uh, World Hockey Association. Uh, and, and I know from looking at your, your resume here and, and your stats, obviously it was a league where sometimes teams didn't stick around for more than one year. Now, did, you, did you have a team that changed cities mid-year? Was that Denver-Ottawa year the same franchise? I had, so that the, I, I spent, uh, we started in, in Denver uh, and we went until about, I'm going to say uh, 15th of December. And we were flying home 
and we got a message from the coach or the general manager to phone our wives and tell them to bring some clothes to the airport <laughs> because we weren't going to land or we weren't going to stay in Denver. We were going to Ottawa. So we literally got our clothes, suitcase, and flew to Ottawa, lived at a hotel for, I think, about two or three weeks, uh, wrapped it up. They were trying to get the team settled and uh, to, to play there. Uh, the most excitement that we had there was, I think, the last game we played was uh, Gordy and uh, the Houston uh, Arrows uh, were in town, and, and that was a big hype in Ottawa, obviously. And then we were told the next morning, you three are going to Indianapolis, and you four are going to whatever. And so I had three teams that year. Uh, without getting traded. So two, two teams fold. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Well, John Garrett told me that uh, too when he was in the WHL, he, he, WHA. He got traded, sorry, he had four teams. He got traded three times and then he was with the other team and he got called into the office and he's like, great, I'm traded again. But it was the GM saying, okay, our team just folded. So you got picked up by right. this team. So I had that happen too because I went from Cincinnati to Indianapolis and then it folded, so I went back to Cincinnati. Can you imagine so, the, the, the schedule? I know the National Hockey League has their scheduler, and at the beginning of the season, like it's amazing how he works out the schedule for the entire season, but he knows that those franchises are going to be there throughout the year. This guy in the middle of the season, all right, okay, I had Indy playing Cincy next week, but neither team's in the league anymore. <laughs> it, it must... It was a barn burner. It was lots of fun. Uh, but you're right, Rob. There was, uh, I'm sure there was just hair pulled out everywhere about things that happened. Brian Baltimore. But, but back Sorry. then, too, I, guys, so back then, too, it, it, not long after that, I, I uh, was the assistant general manager of a, of a Central Hockey League, so an American Hockey League team. And you could fly the whole team on your credit card at 99 bucks a ticket, too. So it was easier. <laughs> and get a lot of miles, too. Yeah. Brian Baltimore joining us inside Studio 99. We're getting you ready for the Oilers and Blues at 7 o'clock here at Rogers Place. Um, you got into two NHL games, both with the Oilers in 79-80. Uh, in uh, I did. What do, you, what do you remember? It must have been pretty cool. It was. It, yeah, it was. So we were in Houston. That was, uh, that was the Oilers farm team there. I was the captain in Houston. And uh, I got a call, and uh, off we went. Uh, and I played uh, in Washington, um, and we won. Um, and then we played in Philadelphia, and that was the, they were in the the middle of like 28 in a oh, row or something, streak, the big yeah. streak and whatnot. Yeah. So I think I think I was you know number 18 out of 26 or something <laughs> in the streak there. We you know we played pretty good, but uh, but we came out, and then I came back down. So and it was a big thrill. Uh, I had, I had uh, some good friends on the team at that time that I had played with. Uh, uh, in the WHA, Blair McDonald was uh, was a very good friend. Uh, I played with Mess when he was a 17-year-old kid uh, and came into Cincinnati, and I thought, what are they doing with this guy? <laughs> uh, and so it was it was just a fun experience. Yeah. What do you mean, what are they doing with this guy when you first well, saw him? Uh, I mean, he was just a kid. Uh, and a big, strong kid, but just hadn't quite got the... The legs got a churn, and the legs he had, you know, he was that wide, uh, wide uh, coast across the blue line sort of thing, and so uh, he struggled a little bit there in, in scoring a goal, but he was big and strong, and you could see that he had the potential and obviously lived up to 
everything that anybody thought he was going to be as a kid. Yeah, he, he figured it out, didn't he? He yeah. did figure it out. <laughs> he developed. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 Brian, your story is an interesting one because uh, you remain involved in, in, in hockey and uh, other, other pursuits as well. How, do you, how did you get into law after your playing days? Or was it something you were working on while you were playing? No. Um, so when I got done playing, uh, I was still in the U.S. And uh, people here might know Larry Gordon's name. Uh, Larry was an executive here for the Oilers. He had the farm team there, and I went to work for him. And I was the assistant general manager for a couple of years and then a coach uh, for a year. And... Uh, I had moved, my first year was in Springfield, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston, and I had, through my career, made it all the way to Montana, and I thought there was a sign there that I should come home, so, <laughs> so we did, we came home, and I went to law school after that, and uh, I, I went to law school, I had I'd been involved lots in, the, in, the, in running the team with leases and contracts and uh, advertising and, and all that sort of thing, and uh, and I had to find something to do, so law it was. And this has led to, obviously, you know, you're currently representing Jay Bowmeister. I do. Yeah. Did you represent other guys in the past? Or I, have, uh, I, I have had a spattering of guys throughout. Okay. The, very, uh, the only people, uh, uh, not, not a lot of stars, uh, but real solid kids. Uh, but I got started doing it because my very good friend that I played with uh, in Houston, uh, Charlie Huddy was uh, a free agent. Uh, he'd come from Edmonton, uh, L.A., and he was an unrestricted free agent. And uh, so that's what kicked it off. Charlie and I were uh, uh, every day drive to practice and drive to games, uh, guys in uh, Houston and in Wichita. And uh, so I represented Charlie to start it out. And I've, I'm finishing it up with Jay now. So. You know, you would have seen from when you played where there was a lack of agents as to opposed to nowadays where agents, I mean, yeah, players can't live. I mean, they do everything and take care of them. It, it would be one of the things that having been an ex-player, been in, a, in a, a generation where you needed somebody and didn't have it, do you take that into your work with the players nowadays? I, I, I think that it's for the last... Oh, oh, Brownie, I mean, you've kind of went through, you're, you're young, way younger, but you, you kind of went through where there's been a whole transition yes. with agents too, since since even you uh, were playing and whatnot. And you're right, I mean, it's it's a full meal deal with, with an agent representing a player now. It's, uh, uh, I mean, it's everything from, from finances to houses to travel to whatever they need to do and whatever they need and and, uh, and from a very uh, that's the one thing that I find very difficult right now is from a really young age uh, parents sometimes get too round up about who their 14 year old should kind of get hooked up with and whatnot and I find that that if you want to be an agent and to recruit people you you got to start when they're 14 and I you know if you don't think that that's a very uh, healthy uh, uh, situation, then you know, you're behind all the time. Well, it's true, but it's amazing. I know breaking in at 19, or you're green. I know nothing. I don't know how to rent a car, don't know how to open a bank account, don't know how to buy a house. And when I broke in, I mean, the agent got you a contract, and that was more or less it. Yeah. And now, you, and that was one of the reasons a lot of young players were losing a lot of money in bad investments and bad advice until eventually... And not all agents have been great. No, there's, there's certainly... There's, 
but but the whole system now with the with the PA, good, bad, or indifferent. There's all good things about everything, um, but uh, I think that the whole system now is just geared to assisting the players. There's a little bit of monitoring through the players' association. You have to kind of keep tabs on accounts and that sort of thing, and and the players themselves, the the media, the social media, and everything, and the and the interaction between players. Uh, and what's available to them out there, I think they're, they're just smarter with what they're doing. You hope they're smarter anyway, because, you know, it's sad stories to see guys with no money at the end of the day. Brian Baltimore joining us here in Studio 99, Oilers and Blues coming up at 7. Hey, before we let you go, we should ask you about the current edition of the, of the team. We were talking uh, off air before you came on. You're watching most of the Oilers games. Obviously a bit of a surge here under under Hitch, despite the loss in Vancouver the other night. Uh, I mean, look, they, they got McDavid. He's up there in points. Dreisaitl's 12th in, in scoring. Nuge is a great all-around player. Yeah, how do you sort of see the team positioned as a whole here as they're fighting in what's all of a sudden become a really competitive Pacific division? Well, they've, they have... Uh, so I, I'm dealing with two teams tonight. Uh, so and, and they certainly have turned a corner uh, just in and, and I'm sure I haven't been in the dressing room Rob you've probably been in the rig you've probably been in the dressing room I'm sure the atmosphere in the dressing room is decibels above what it was two months ago um, and just the confidence and all the rest of it and and the team itself I mean when you can when you can go nine in a row and, and you can uh, you know that you got a chance every night and uh, uh, you don't have to be scared about that next goal and whatnot it, it just makes a world of difference and, and, and just watching St. Louis on the on the other hand they've they've struggled all year and and uh, uh, I know talking with Jay, I mean, it's just, you know, one of those things where they just can't quite get untracked and can't get they good players. Um, I think they have a pretty good team uh, from a talent standpoint, but just can't quite get it untracked. And I have to I have to say I, I, that Jay played for Hitch for, uh, well, yeah. Rob, you paid for Hitch. Uh, Jay played for Hitch for a couple of years, uh, and uh, uh, he has that ability to, kind of get everybody focused and uh, everybody taking care of their own job and and uh, whether that's uh, been the answer but the timing is certainly would suggest that that he's had a lot to do with it well Rob you and I talked about that after the Oilers game against St. Louis how sometimes it's it's such a fine line but it can get going in the wrong direction for a team and that game I mean the Oilers had I think five power plays to the Blues two there was a goalie interference call that negated a Blues goal. St. Louis still had the lead in the last minute, but Clefbaum ties it, and then obviously the Oilers wound up in a shootout. So all those, you know, the Blues must be sitting there thinking, like, really, if one of those goes our way, we probably win, but none did. But a lot of it, it goes with confidence. Right now, the Oilers feel they can find a way to win. The St. Louis Blues are feeling they're going to find a way to lose. And it's all completely confidence. I, I agree 100%. It's just, it, it's completely a, 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 a situation of confidence and in still making the play that you would have instead of all being all tight and wound up and defensive when you shouldn't be. So. Brian, it's great to have you drop by. Uh, appreciate uh, your stories and some of your memories from your career, your thoughts on the uh, current NHL. I hope we can do this again. Enjoy the game tonight. Thank you guys very much for having me. That's